Can I ask you to stand with me, please, as we read some scripture together? The time we have left. Acts 1, 8 through 11, if you would read with me, please. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Father, we thank you for the ascension of Jesus Christ, but we also thank you that he's coming back. It is our hope. And so, Father, we pray that you'll just allow us a few moments to reflect upon the ascension and be thankful people uh, for the ministry of Jesus, not only that he did on earth, but the ministry that he's currently doing in heaven. And so, Father, grace us, Father, with the Holy Spirit as he teaches us a little this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said with me, please. Amen. You may be seated. Departures are always hard. They are made even more difficult when you know that you may never see that person again. I recall the Apostle Paul leaving for Ephesus in Jerusalem, and in Acts 20, it says that they were down by the shore waiting for Paul to enter the ship, and they wept and repeatedly kissed him, for they knew they would never see his face again. That had to be hard. The church globally on this day celebrates the ascension of Jesus to heaven, and I'd like to just reflect on the idea of departure from the disciples' perspective and hope as well in the words that Jesus gave them. We read this in Acts 1. Dr. Luke tells us that the last day Jesus was here on earth, he was filled with teaching the disciples about the kingdom, about living differently, expecting something, something different in this world uh, than the world system has to offer. He told them about the coming Holy Spirit and the power that they would have to go on mission, which is to teach them to observe the things that Jesus taught them, not only practically about living morally, but about himself personally, uh, that he is the Son of God, and that salvation comes in and through no other but him. But this was not about a teacher coldly reminding his disciples about the material that they had learned. This wasn't a master giving one last lecture before sending his disciples out to reduplicate his teaching. This was a departure about friends. This was about Jesus who spent three years with these 11 individuals and he was leaving. Jesus is leaving, finally leaving. Uh, they thought after the resurrection that he'd be gone, but he didn't. He hung around for another 40 days and he taught and he, he fellowshiped and once again poured those last 40 days into the lives of 12 or 11 men, Matthias included 12, that were going to radically change the entire world. 
But the personal goodbyes, the hint of his personal ascension, his heavenly home going, their first troubled heart, this actually began before the crucifixion. This happened right after Jesus washed the disciples' feet and before the garden in this wonderful passage that we find John recording for us in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, the gardens in 18. So in those chapters, Jesus does some masterful things. And I want to take us to one of those passages that are very, very familiar with you. I want you to turn to John 14, please, 1 through 6. John 14 in your Bibles, your apps on your phone or right above you on the screen. John 14 and 1. Most people don't look at this passage during Ascension Day, but I found great value in it uh, as I was meditating on it this week and trying to find a passage that fit where my spirit was, and this is a good one today. John 14 and 1. Do not let your hearts be what, church? Don't let them be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in, in me. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is addressing the anxiety of anticipated separation as well as the personal failure of the disciples, especially Peter, because Jesus has just told them, I'm going to leave you, and where I go, you cannot come. And he was speaking of what, church? No, not at that point. Crucifixion. He's speaking of the cross. Jesus had to walk that journey, that Via Dolorosa alone, that way of suffering. Jesus had to do that. No one else could follow. And so Jesus is saying, in essence, in mystical language, I'm going someplace and you're not going to be able to follow after me. And all of a sudden there's confusion. What do you mean you're going someplace and I, 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 we can't follow you? Oh, uh, and Peter says, well, tell us the way. I'll follow you to the death. Jesus says, oh, Peter, you're such a mouth. I'm going to say to you personally that before this this passing, this, this activity, this event is over. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And all of a sudden, now we've got a double fear. Not only is Jesus going to depart and go someplace where they can't follow, but, but Jesus went right after the head guy and said, you're, you're going to desert me. You're going to renounce me. And that just trickled all the way down. So no wonder Jesus comes in in 14 and 1 and says what? Don't, don't let your hearts be what, church? Don't let them be troubled. You believe in God, believe, believe also in me. Don't be distressed in your spirit. Don't let your hearts be heavy. Don't let them be weighted. And the disciples said in 14.2, are you kidding me? Are you looking at your Bibles at this point? The disciples said, are you kidding me? After all, after all that, don't panic. Are you, are you crazy, Jesus? That's the Dan Lute version, if you're trying to find verse 2, where they said that it's not there. Because Jesus doesn't give them time <clears throat> to think about that. Jesus rushes right in and says, you believe in God, assumption, yes, we do. Then do what, church? Then you need to believe in me. That's what you need to hang on to right now. When life gets rough, when it gets uncertain, <clears throat> when things get turned on top of their head, when you thought you were this great and wonderful follower of Jesus and now you find yourself flat on the floor with your face in the same direction thinking, oh my gosh, how in the world did I ever do that? Jesus says, you believe in God, you believe in me. 
There's some, there's some solace in this passage. There's two things to note here. First, trust or belief in the fact that God is sovereign. Do you know that there's nothing you can do or will do that will take God by surprise? There is nothing that you can do or will do that will ever take God by surprise. He already knows it. He knows you're going to do that, whether good or bad. God is sovereign over all things in the same way. If God the Father is sovereign, also, then think of me the same way. Do you not think that I know that you're going to betray me, Peter? Did he not give Peter a prophetic word already? Church, that's what he just did. He just said to Peter, I know something. I know before this night is over, you're going to betray me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So there's a sovereignty issue here that that Jesus is after. Second, Jesus is asking for unwavering faith. One of the things that is pulled out of here is an equation of deity. I, I don't think that Jesus is really trying to teach that point at this point. It's going to be coming after the resurrection This is a reference to divinely appointed prophet. This is someone like Moses, one who had a special revelation, special authority. Trust God, trust me. As God's representative, it's going to seem like things are out of control, but believe me, God is in total control. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down willfully. The Pharisees think they're going to kill me. They're not. It's going to be my decision. The Romans think that they're going to execute me. They're going to take my life. They're not going to do that. I'm going to give up my own spirit. I am in total control from here on out. Guys, when we leave this meal, as we go through the garden, as we spend some time in prayer, and as all these things start to unfold, I want you to remember this. God is in control. And I am in control, so don't be troubled. This is part of the plan. Isn't that the frustration we have, church? When bad things come into our life, we think that God must not be in control or he wouldn't have allowed it. That's just not true theology. God does allow things to come into our lives. Why? Because he knows we learn more about him through going through trials than if life were perfect and peaceful for the duration of our life. And all God's people said. We don't like to to state that reality, but it's true. We learn more about God. We learn more about ourselves when we go through trials and temptations and testings than if we would without his presence in that way so God allows but God is in control in the midst of the allowance and that's what we have to remember Jesus jumps from this departure to the second departure he does that quite often when we look at that look at please verse 2 and 3 in my father's house church are many rooms that's actually the more it's actually apartments um, dwelling places, if it were not so. The old King James has mansions in it. I'm not sure where they get that word, but I understand where they get it. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also, or also may be where I am. Those are great promises, aren't they? What is Jesus trying to do? He's trying to alleviate their fear, especially the first fear, which is, I am going somewhere and you're not going to be able to go. 
That's the separation anxiety that Jesus is trying to address. Jesus is saying, look guys, this is all going to come back around. I've already made the provision for that one stressor. Yeah, we're going to have a time of separation, but in the end, we come back together. And by the way, it's gonna be much better than you expect. It's gonna be for eternity. I'm sure they're not getting this yet because they're still in shock of what God's going to be doing. Don't be afraid. Don't trouble. Be troubled in your heart. God is sovereign over everything. He's got a plan, and that plan has always been to be in loving community with his people, especially with those created in the image of God and following after Jesus Christ, his son. God wants to be where you are. That's an amazing thing to be reminded of. You see, the ascension of Jesus is more than Jesus heading back home and relaxing. The ascension of Jesus is the fulfilled word of God for preparation. The ascension is a word of hope to those afraid of hopelessness and separation. You will be with me forever. There is a reason that passage is used outside of John 3.16 and 1 Thess 4 at all our funerals. Because as a follower of Christ, when you die, it is not goodbye. It is, I'll see you later. That's the hope we have in Christ. And that's what he's doing here with his disciples. Death will not separate. The resurrection is going to take care of that. And the ascension is going to prepare for that. That's what Jesus is doing in a very practical way. But there's some confusion with the disciples, and rightly so. Why? Because this is very confusing. Jesus is going somewhere. He's going back into the city tomorrow, I think. That's what he was talking about. But in the end, he's going back to the Father. Which, which one is he talking about? He says he's going somewhere and we can't go, but then he says he's going somewhere and he's going to take us back where he's going. Which... I'm so confused. So was Thomas. Look with me at verse 5, please. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we, don't, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? I love Thomas because he reveals once again humanity. I love the statement because the underlying premise again is on the disciples, on me, on you, on works, Thomas is saying, what must I do? What information do we need to get? What map do we need to retrieve so that we can find our way to where you're going? What must I do? And Jesus says, you don't need to do anything. John 14, 6, because I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So, so the way is through faith in you and in following you, Jesus? Answer, church, yes. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? We try to make it so complicated. Jesus has done it all. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death for our sins. He rose again from the dead and he gives us hope of our own resurrection. And on this day that we commemorate, he ascended back to the Father and he prepared a place. As Hebrews 11 said, Abraham and all the other saints were looking for a city not built by the hands of man, 
but by the very hands of God. It's what he's done. A place is waiting for us when our journey here is over or when Jesus comes to take us all home. You see, that's the end of the plan. It's to be with God and to be with each other for eternity. It's our hope. It's why we celebrate Ascension Day today. Can we pray together as we close? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for communing with us, for being present with us. Thank you for our prayers that we prayed with each other, songs that we've sung, all of these wonderful things that we've done today, Lord. And just an amazing reminder that we're heading someplace. We're heading home. And that's either going to come when this old body collapses and dies and the angels come and take us, or it's going to happen when Jesus gives a shout in the clouds and we all go up to meet him and be with him forever. Either way, we're supposed to encourage each other. And I hope we can do that today. Encourage each other in the midst of the trials and the testings and the hard times and encourage each other as we, we see the, the end of days quickly approaching. Encourage one another with these things and let your heart not be troubled for Jesus has went into the heavens on this commemorated day to prepare a place for us to be with him, to be with you, Father, forever and ever. And so we give thanks for that. Bless us, Father, as we continue to remember this today. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, please, amen. On your way out, if you have your offering, try those boxes. Make sure that they fit your uh, big checks and cards or whatever you're putting in there. If you have problems, make sure you get a hold of Peg or Bob.